Yippee-i-o, yippee-i-a, ghost riders in the sky, yeah, hello, ghost riders. Um, here we go, welcome to the Harlan Highway, it's me, Harlan Williams, who else would it be? It's the Harlan Highway, so it's me, Harlan Williams, on the highway with you. Uh, great show today. More of our conversations with actor-comedian Andy Dick. Um, we're going to be touching on some very sensitive topics today with Andy. Should be a great, great time. Um, we're going to be talking about babies today. Uh, we're going to be talking about human babies and how annoying they can be in certain situations. But then I'm also going to tell you about a story, a sad story, I hate to say, where I became kind of a surrogate father to some baby birds. And uh, I won't give it all away, but uh, not the happiest story in the world. But nonetheless, I'm going to share it with you. And uh, also a phone call from my mother. And we're going to talk about bugs. All kinds of flying topics today. Um, And speaking of which, we better get flying right now. Flying right down the Harland Highway! Welcome to the Harland Highway. You fellas been doing a bit of boozing, have you? Sucking back on Grandpa's old cough medicine? There's an element of uncontrolled chaos. The Harland Highway. Serving everyone from presidents and kings to the scum of the earth. What a treat. Oh, wait. Was she a great big fat person? You just made a wrong turn onto the Harland Highway. You need many years of therapy. Hey, Harland, it's Stephanie from Denver. Just do me. You might want to think twice before sticking your penis in there. Just do me. You're riding down the Harland Highway with Harland Williams. That's two adults. Okay, that'll be $375, and your theater is upstairs to the left. Enjoy the show, and I hope you enjoy the seven crying children that I just sold tickets to while you're at the restricted movie. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right, people? You go to a movie, you even go to the late movie, just because you want to avoid kids. You want to avoid kids being in the movie. And I'm not talking like teenagers. They're okay. They get it for the most part. When the movie starts, you shut your pie hole. But how about these people that are too cheap ass to spring for a babysitter? So they're like, you know what? I really think we should bring our nine-month-old infant to see Ghost Rider. I mean, children love movies about satanic motorcycle riders whose heads burst into flaming skulls. Are you kidding me, man? I went to see Ghost Rider, and there was at least four kids in there. And I'm talking little kids with their families. And you're just like, come on, man. I've had a long week. I worked hard. It costs a fortune to go to the movies. I spent $90 on parking. $250 on popcorn and drinks. $30 on the admission. I want two hours to escape from reality. And I got baby Huey beside me. Thanks a lot. Gee, nothing I like more than a good love story and the stink of uh, baby caca permeating the air. 
You're right at the climax of the movie, you know? It's a showdown. The bad guy's just about to shoot the, the good guy. And everything's quiet on screen, and you can hear a fly buzzing and that. Just everyone's on the edge of their seat. Oh, my God, our hero's going to get it. And all of a sudden, from the back row, you hear... <laughs> oh, you're just hoping that the, the bad guy on screen turns around... From the movie screen, the actual actor in the film turns around from the movie screen and starts shooting at the crowd to try and knock off that baby. And I know that sounds mean, but keep them out of the theaters, will ya? Don't you realize you're probably dementing their minds? Their young, programmable minds are watching Ghost Rider. Or at least leave your kid in the snack bar. Throw him in the popcorn machine. That's nice and warm. It's heated. It's nice and soft. Let your kids incubate in there for two hours. Pick them up on the way out. And get yourself a box of goobers while you're at it. And a soft drink. It's almost like having your kid all over again, but with treats. Or bring him down the Harland Highway and I'll watch him for you. Oh, I'm such a softy. Maybe I'll go bike riding down the Harland Highway with the Ghost Rider. And your kids. Oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about the babies? Arr. And speaking of babies, um, any of you out there listening adopted? Well, um, I'm going to get back into my conversation, my interview with the actor-comedian Andy Dick. And uh, you're going to hear a few surprising things about Andy growing up. And where he came from as a baby. So uh, here we go. As promised, let's jump back into my continuing conversation with funny man Andy Dick. What what causes you the most pain in life? <sighs> lawsuits. <laughs> really? Are you in some lawsuits? I told you I didn't want to talk about that. Okay, then we won't talk. What, but... what causes you emotionally the most pain in life? What, what um, hurts when I am uh, I have abandonment issues because I was adopted. But supposedly the textbooks and the doctors, the therapists, they say it's it's a result of being adopted. You know, I was adopted. And so they say that uh -huh. that, that uh, people that are, were adopted oftentimes or every time have issues with abandonment and you know it, it makes sense because you're you're inside of your mother for nine months yeah you get close i mean you can't be any closer can't be any closer <laughs> you're eating her really i mean you're eating her fluids and she she's like yeah, your buffet you're, you're, <laughs> she is she's a she's a just delicious she's like buffet. your food pump right you're <laughs> eating her her vitriolic fluids yeah and, and, her... and the other thing is, is that you're urinating in her she's your, she, she's your sure, toilet she's your toilet <laughs> she's your kitchen she's your she's your everything isn't that weird that you can just you just as a baby inside your mother you're just crapping and and urinating and just swimming in it. Yeah, and then she kind of filters it through her body and it comes back around and you, and eat, you it. eat it. It's kind of like being on the space shuttle. They just they just recycle so, everything. So after 9 months of being that close to somebody, you're gone. You 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 pop out, they cut the cord and then wow. and in my case, I I luckily 
found my biological mother. You did. I did. And she told me that they covered her eyes. They covered mm-hmm. her eyes when I came out, and they rushed me out. And, and she didn't know they were going to cover her eyes. She said to this day... If anybody ever tries to cover her eyes, she goes into a panic and she'll she'll hit them and scream wow. because it was that hardcore for her. And so it was hardcore for both of us. But but I think with me and these abandonment it, it, these abandonment issues, like if you left the room right now, I'd have this slight panic. I'm not really. Kidding. I'm not. Kidding. I, I understand. And like, stack on top of that that you moved. Like twelve times as a boy, all the time, yeah. So you've it, it's, it's that horrible. stability. Oh, it was really. I'm just kind of a wreck. I mean, I just so you know, I've 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 had tons and tons of of therapy and and all kinds of different. I've tried everything from Scientology to Buddhism to transcendental meditation. Really, everything you can imagine. Have you tried Doctor Ascot? <laughs> He's the guy I see. He's not good. No, but you know where is he? Is he is he at the Flarm Puff Institute? <laughs> <laughs> but dude, you know what? I think the answer with you is your oh. your therapy is is nature. It we really talked is. about that. It really is. That's, when I, when that's I'm in nature, what you I'm, need. I, I, I know that I grounds you. What I need is what what you showed me earlier. Yeah, yeah. I really do. I need something like that because living in a shed, you know, it has its perks. <laughs> I can't think of any right now. But you know, it's it. No, actually, you know what? Like right before I left here to come see you, yeah. The fire that I had started. I have this that one of those those um, it it, it stands. It's on a stand and a barbecue it, in your not, shed. <laughs> it's outside because we have three acres. I, I mean, I'm like far away from the main house. I'm like I, I live in nature. I basically yeah. live in nature. But I have one of those safe. Uh, fires that has a lid on it. You take the lid off. It's a big, big fire. An and, oven. And, and it was... No, it's a fire. It's a fire. There's actual it's, flames crackling. Yes, yeah, you have to put a log in. Some, you, you a know, fireplace. It's a fireplace, but it's made of metal, and you can move it around. Hmm. You know, you can get them at Home Depot. Anyways, uh, last night when I had the screening of that movie, I should talk yeah. about that. I did a football movie called D3. I play the head coach. Just look for it. it it'll, I don't know. It'll come out sometime. But anyhow, we had a screening of that movie, and I made a fire outside. And the and one of the logs at the end of the night was so big and thick that it was still going today, when, right now, when I came to wow. see you. And so on my way out, I threw in a bunch of of the uh, pie. Of we we had a Christmas tree, and I, I I ripped off a bunch of branches, threw them in, and threw some more wood in. And there's a fire going right now waiting for me for when I get back. Wait, an unsupervised fire? It has a lid. You know, you okay, understand? okay. Yeah, there's it's, a it's lid. Totally, okay. Totally safe. Totally safe. Um, well, let's get let's just skip back to your meeting your biological mother for a minute. Was that a, a good experience or was that a, a awkward experience? Because I can only imagine both. You know, going back and meeting your mother, how yeah. many years later was it? Um t- 30, 30 years. Because, like yeah. you know, wow. my mom who raised me, my mom and my dad, they died. Right. And But there was one time when I was a teenager, I said to my mom, you know, I'm kind of curious to find my biological parents. And she just burst out crying. Oh. So I just never brought it up again. I never did anything and I never tried. And then, but after they died, I, I didn't just run out and try to find her. It took me another five or 10 years to even say, you know, I still am curious. There's this like empty hole 
in my in my heart in my yeah. soul where who are these people that yeah and why and what there's million questions that after i met my mom and my biological dad they weren't going out she was long story short she was 17 uh, in high school he was just this amateur boxer and he was also a bricklayer knocked her up denied it said that oh, no it's not mine they shipped her off my grandfather, you know, her dad shipped her because it was 1965. It was a scandalous high school student pregnant. Yeah, shipped her off yeah. to South Carolina, had me, and then came back. Put me up for adoption and came back. Um, that's the, that's the, the, the short version of that. But meeting them really didn't answer any questions or make me feel any better. It just created more questions. And wow. since... Meeting them, I had this great relationship at first with both of them. Yeah. And then it, it fizzled out, and I almost felt guilty that um, that I was trying to start up another father-son or mother-son relationship when really the people that raised me were my mom and my dad, and I really miss them a lot. By yeah. The way. That's, so, that's what a, what yeah. a weird... So I don't really talk to them, the biological ones which i gotta ask the question which one did you look like more the mom or the dad the it was really was split down the middle is that right yeah they and and you know neither of them were that attractive (laughs) (laughs) but the thing is is they're both alive (laughs) they're very healthy they're both alive and kicking i asked my biological dad i said were you a drinker he said oh yeah Hell yes. He, Is that right? He drank a lot. I said, when did you stop drinking? So he said when he was 47. And I think I had met him when I was about 40. And I said, wow, I've got seven more good years to go. Wow. What, what's the heritage? What, what's the heritage of your oh, biological I, I parents? I, I think she told me it was it was just the that common like German, French, English just mix. Yeah. Like who cares? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that that's heavy, man. I always thought that would be one of the wildest things in life to uh, be adopted. To, to, to not not be adopted, but to go back and and track down the the biological parents. Unbelievable and, and, that I found them. Yeah. Unbelievable. Was it just a fluke? Was it? It a... took a while. What happened is somebody in South Carolina, my lawyer at the time knew somebody in South Carolina and the the lawyer that did my adoption was now a retired judge he 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 became a judge and then he retired but he happened to have all the paperwork from all his stuff he ever did in his garage and there was some intern that i i really should find out who that person is and 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 meet them and thank them they went through Every single paper till they found my my adoption papers. Why did he have? He sounds like a hoarder. This guy. Why would he have all that? <laughs> he must be. That's I great. That's good was, for you. Help solve the good. mystery. Yeah. It, it, yeah. But once again, it just created more questions. Really. Yeah. So really you've just kind of you did what you had to do. You've kind of made peace with it. You let it go, yeah. and and your parents are still out there and. And you're mm. dealing with your own family. Mm. Well, that's, that's an incredible story. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Hello, Harlem. It's your, it's your mother calling. I just 
wanted to call and let you know that I made some lasagna for dinner tonight. And if you want, I can just scoop it up with a spatula and slap it all over your bed. I know you don't live here anymore, but we still have your bedroom set up from when you are a little boy, and I could go up there and slather your bed with my fresh lasagna. How about that, Harlan? You little bastard. I don't know why I had you anyhow. I wanted a girl, you little bastard. Wow. Okay, I hate it when my mother calls. Obviously, she's been into the NyQuil or something. Yikes. Uh, Well, there's another segment of uh, the Andy Dick interview. We'll be doing some more of that, uh, you know, as we keep going here. Um, And uh, we'll be getting into, you know, Andy uh, said that uh, in some of his early interviews, he's he's a nature guy. So, uh, as always, when I have a guest, I throw the old Harland Highway nature quiz at them. So that's coming up, uh, you know, very soon in one of our next one or two interviews together. We'll see how Andy does. Um. And that should be really cool. And speaking of nature, I, I got a sad story here. Ugh. I hate to even tell this story, but it breaks my heart, and I thought I'd share it with you. Maybe some of you have been through this. I hope not. Maybe you can relate to it. So I'm out in my yard the other day, and I'm chopping around. I'm trimming bushes. I'm trimming hedges. And living in Cali, we've got a lot of palm trees, right? So I've got some palm trees on my property. And some of them are still, uh, you know, they're they're the ones with the big, long branches, but they're stumpy. So these, these palm trees, they're about, you know, five feet high. And about the five-foot level, the uh, fronds start growing out, okay? Now, keep in mind, palm trees grow about 80 feet high. But basically, they kind of stay the same dimension almost. In other words, the palm fronds at the bottom, when when a palm tree is very young, are still just as long as when a palm tree hits full maturity and stands 80 feet in the air. The fronds are usually just the same length. Okay, I hope you're following me in this palm frond mystery. Um, so anyways, I'm cutting off some of the, uh, older palm fronds at the bottom. You know, I've got a saw and I'm standing up in the branches, like I said, about five feet high and I'm cutting them and I've got to pick them up and throw them in a pile. And I look down on the pile and I see this little blob and I'm like, wait a minute, what is that? And I jump down and I look and it is two little baby birds. Okay, Uh, now it's a pretty, one of the most common birds in America. It's called a morning dove. It's a beautiful little bird. It's kind of a pale brownish gray. You've seen them. You've heard them. In fact, they can be quite annoying early in the morning if they get outside your bedroom window. But they like to sit on the telephone wires. They like to perch. And early in the morning, you can hear them. They almost sound like an owl, a soft version of an owl. They're kind of like, (coughs) 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 (coughs)
And I guess that's the morning dove. I don't know if it means it's morning or to me, I think it means they're morning. And I'll tell you what, I'm morning because I can't get any sleep. But anyways, I chopped this little branch down, this palm frond. I look, two morning dove uh, chicks sitting there. And I've chopped the whole branch off. And morning doves, in case you don't know, they don't make much of a nest. I guess they're lazy asses because they're morning people. They get tired. And they just lay down a few pine needles. And, you know, if if the birds left and you found this little pile, you would have just thought the wind blew a bunch of debris onto a branch. It's not the customary nest that's a cup shape with the solid sides and the interwoven twigs. It really is kind of a makeshift nest. So I, I go down, I go, oh, great. I've cut down the branch with the bird nest on it, and I got two little baby birds. And they're not they're not babies to the point where they're bald and their eyes aren't open. They're actually like kind of that in-between where they got, they're covered with feathers, but they're kind of the downy feathers. They're not really... The feathers haven't grown out that much. So these guys are gray and their their heads a little like looks like they have messy hair. But they're a little more mature than babies, but they still can't fly. And I'm like, there's no way I can't put these guys back up in the tree because there's no more nest. And even if I could take the nest, they could sit in their nest. But these birds don't really make a nest. So now I'm facing this dilemma where, you know, in L.A. it's warm all year, so there's a lot of critters. There's rats, there's snakes, there's crows, there's birds of prey, there's raccoons, there's, you know, all manner of beastie that without hesitation are going to eat these things. So I can't leave them sitting down on the ground. I can't put them back in the tree. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm their mommy, I'm their daddy. I got to try and help these things. And I had every intention to nurture these things and bring them back, you know, you know, help them grow and help them blossom and blah, blah, blah. So I, I find a little box, a little cage, I put them in, and uh, I put some water in, and I went on the Internet, and I found out what they eat. They eat, like, seeds. And I'm like, okay, but I'm a little nervous because they're babies and they might not know how to eat. They might not know how to eat seeds. So I keep looking on the Internet. It says that the the mother morning dove feeds these little guys like a milk, like some kind of a seed milk or a morning dove milk. I don't know. I've never milked a morning dove. Um. So I'm like, God, I, I had trouble trying to feed them seeds. I could see they weren't eating the seeds because they're babies. They probably don't know how. And it's very frustrating because here they are sitting in this box, all the food that they require all around them, all the water they could they could drink, and they're just kind of sitting there. So I'm starting to worry after like two days. They're not eating. They're not drinking. So I pick them up and I get a little eyedropper and I smush up some sunflower seeds and I smush up some seeds and I make like a watery pulp, like a milk. And I got the uh, eyedropper and I'm like kind of pushing it on the tip of their beak and I'm squeezing it and I'm, I can see them drinking it a little bit and I'm thinking, okay, they're making progress. And sadly, the next morning I wake up and one of the birds is dead 
and the other one had like hours left and it died like two hours later. And I'm just like, ah, I was just so bummed out, man. You know, you're sitting there and like I said, here's all the food. If they were, if they were in the wild, they'd gobble this stuff up. They were just so young. They didn't know how to. And I stayed up late. I stayed up till 2 in the morning, and I just kept trying to feed them, and then I'd put them back down, and then I'd try to pick them up again, and I'd feed them again. And I kind of, you know, uh, stimulated their beak with the tip of this thing so that maybe they thought it was their mother pecking at them. And then I tried to imitate the sounds. I was like, while I was feeding them, you know. And they're probably like, what is this retard doing? Who? I'm going to starve just to get away from this idiot. So I tried everything in the book outside of rushing them over to an animal shelter, which in retrospect I felt guilty that I didn't do, but I don't know that animal shelters take baby birds that fall out of trees. So here's me trying to be the compassionate guy, and I'm like, look, they fell out of the tree. I cut them out of the tree. They are not going to survive out here on the ground. The mother's not going to fly to the ground and sit on them and nurture them. And they're too young to fly up into the tree, so they're stuck in this middle world. The best chance they have is a human being to try and feed them, take care of them, at least give them a safe shelter, some warmth. And I did all that, and they still died. And I failed I failed those little birds, and I feel horrible about it. Little tiny birds. And uh, it's just awful. So I don't know if any of you have had a run-in with, with trying to uh, take over as Mother Nature. And maybe you found a little baby squirrel or a baby raccoon, or maybe you found a bird. I don't know, but I hope you had better success than I did. Uh, if you want to share any of your stories like that, you know where to call me, 888-500-2090. And maybe you want to phone and console me and tell me it's going to be okay. Or maybe you want to phone and scold me for not doing things right. I don't know. I tried my best. I really did. And uh, the poor little guys passed away. And what's what's really hard is is, you know, you don't always think of animals in a life-and-death scenario. You know, I think you do if you have a cat or a dog or a horse or a pet, but when you see a wild animal, when you see a coyote run across the road or a raccoon, or you don't realize how hard they have it out in nature. You don't think about them passing away lonely and cold and tired and hungry the way your pets do or the way we do. And so, uh, yeah, I felt really bad about it. And, uh, you know, I wish I could have been better. I wish I could have kept those things alive and sent them off into the world to fend for themselves. But it's not easy. Um, so there you go. I, I'm just laying out there one of my experiences. If you have something similar, uh, you can call me and let me know. I'd like to hear. Maybe that will comfort me. Maybe that will help me through this difficult moment. And I'm not trying to take any of the, uh, oh, pity is me. Two baby birds are dead. Pity the birds. But I just got to say, by association, I feel really bad. 
Why am I bringing you people down with this story? I don't know. Maybe I need to talk about it. Maybe I need to share. Okay, maybe I need to get it out of my system. (gasps) Maybe I need to release. Um... I don't know. I'm not making light of it, but it it is sad. Life is fleeting, and uh, poor little guys. Ugh. So there you go. Uh, let's let's get into something a little more fun, a little funny to end the show. Interesting show today. We're talking about adoptions and things dying and animals and oh. But, uh, hey, it's all part of life. It's all part of the experience of rolling down the Harland Highway. But let's end the show on an uh, an up note. Let's end with uh, a little something to laugh at before we uh, shut the doors on this episode. Okay, you're going to hear it first right here on the Harland Highway. I'm Harland Williams and Newsflash, okay? Bugs are stupid bugs are dumbasses hello the dumbasses just come out of the dark what they're doing up so late i don't know the birds and the bees and the animals everything else is in bed and they go into the light like carol ann from poltergeist go into the light moth go into the light ladybug go into the light baby And they either, like, get fried on the light bulb, or they just sit there all night. Pretty light. Pretty light. (laughs) What is their fascination? What do bugs do when the sun come up, man? They must go berserk. They must think they're, like, at a Pink Floyd concert. Look at that pretty light in the sky. <laughs> flap, 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 flap. Ah! Maybe us humans should try that at night. Just all go stand somewhere and stare into a light. I'm sure the police force would be happy. Got any calls tonight, Ed? No, everything's quiet. Everyone's just staring into the light. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. All right. Oh, put your high beams on. You're motoring. Right down the Harland Highway. Yes, you are. See, I told you we'd we'd end the show with a giggle. Uh, once again, it was about animals dying. Oh God! <laughs> but hey, you know every show seems to have a theme, a running, underlying topic, and you know today that's what we got. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the stories. Uh, don't forget, you can call me, 888-500-2090. You can write me at the uh, harlandwilliams.com. Uh, um, and don't forget, if you want to see me, physically see me standing in the light. Yes, that's right. I will be actually standing in the light uh, tonight and tomorrow night in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey. Okay, at the uh, at the Stress Factory Comedy Club, great club. I'm doing two shows tonight, two shows tomorrow night. Go to harlowilliams.com, click on my stand-up schedule, and you can reserve your tickets. Uh, do it quickly because uh, we are selling tickets like fresh onion rings. 
at a ring toss festival. No meaning. Um, don't forget, you go to uh, harlowwilliams.com uh, to the web store and pick up merch, comedy albums, DVDs, CDs, T-shirts, my book, The Things You Don't Know You Don't Know. A very fun and entertaining read. Um, and that's it, man. That is all I have for you today. Uh, I'm going to close up the bird nest. I'm going to turn off the, the bug light. I'm going to slam the door on Andy Dick. I'm going to squish the babies at the movies. That's it. We're done. Thanks for joining. Tell your friends to uh, jump on the Harland Highway so they can have some fun with us, too. And until next time, my fine, feathered, feline friends, chicken chow main baby. Ah!